0: another episode of the Men's Wear Style Podcast. I'm Pete Brooker, and today on the show, we are talking to Robert Tatiosian. He is the CEO and founder of Tatiosian, the British jeweler that's been redefining luxury since 1990. And a very quick overview of the brand. Tatiosian's luxury products possess a unique design ethos. The seasonal collections for both men and women have a distinctive signature, constantly reflecting and reinterpreting trends in fashion. Designs are contemporary but unusual, fashion-forward but timeless. And the website tatiosian.com. And here is Robert to tell me how it all began. Um, so
1: basically I was working, I was, my training was in finance and I was working at Merrill Lynch when I first started out. And as a banker in the city, especially back then, 30, 30 plus years ago, uh, everybody was wearing cufflinks. So it was actually three different things that came together. One, uh, I identified a niche in the market, uh, which was to come up with cufflinks that were a little bit different. Because back then, everything was just double-ended, plain cufflinks with initials engraved on them, very classical ones. Uh, I wanted to travel the world, and I wanted to be my own boss. So I thought, why not start with a small collection of cufflinks, something that's contemporary, Put it in a small box and get on a plane and start traveling the world, offering these cufflinks to the retailers around the world. Which is exactly what happened.
0: Very cool. Well, so it was it was a leap of faith for you back in the day. Were you were you confident that the empire would build to what it is today?
1: No, there is no such thing as you don't. When you start a business, you're never confident about anything. Um, You always are wondering: is it going to be successful or not? It was more. Uh, I, it was, I wanted to take a risk, and I thought, I'm going to give it three years. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, I'm still young enough to go back into banking. Um, but I was very lucky on my first trip, uh, which was to Japan. I had, I had received quite a few orders from uh, some of the key clients, and the Japanese are very, very loyal when it comes to brands, especially back then. I'm wondering, do you still have clients that were with you from the beginning that you still see now? Yes, absolutely. A lot of them, uh, a lot of the stores, if they're still open uh, and the business is still, uh, still operational, they, they've they been clients for 30 years, which is really lovely.
0: That's fantastic. And those cufflinks that you started out with uh, 30 years ago, are they still around? Are they in the collections nowadays? Or absolutely.
1: They- absolutely. Wow. Um, what really put my name on the map was a cuffling, which is a watch cufflink. So the idea was because I was always traveling, I was always thinking, oh, what times, what time zone am I at? So the idea was to have two two cufflinks. Um, one you could set it on New York time. The other one you could have it on London time. And it was functional, but also something that was quizzical. So the watch cufflinks is really probably was our star product back then, and now we do have different permutations of that initial design and anything that's mechanical. So we developed a lot of cufflings that had gears in them, skeletons, all those are still in the collection. Of course, permutations of that particular particular style of cuffling, But probably one of them, again, one of the most iconic cufflings that we ever did was the globe cufflink. And that has not changed in 30 years. And it's still one of our best sellers 30 years later.
0: I love that. I absolutely adore that. Can you, uh,
1: it's a bit of a stupid question, but can you pattern a cufflink idea like that? Absolutely. You can. uh, You can trademark uh, a design, which is what we tend to do with anything new that we come out with that we really feel very strongly about. The problem with that is that to trademark a design involves filing uh, trademark registrations in now, before it used to be just a European community and the UK used to f- fall under that. Now you have to do it for the UK, EU, you have to do it for China, you have to do it for the United States. So you really have to register the design globally. And you're talking about anywhere between 6,000 to 10,000 pounds Uh to register a design all over the world. And all you need is the person who wants to copy you to just make a small change on that design and you're not protected anymore. So Uh, we do trademark a lot of our designs that we feel very strongly about, but it's becoming increasingly expensive uh, and increasingly complicated, especially now that we have to do another registration just for the UK. Oh
0: my God, that sounds like so much. (laughs) Sounds like one of those headaches that you just don't want to see any of those paperwork. Absolutely. Just let someone else in the know do it. Oh boy. But I I mean, I've been in the weeds with this with a gentleman who's just uh, recently uh, refound a brand, uh, Reynolds sunglasses. These were the glasses that were featured at the beginning of the Italian job. And so he was telling me about how when you revive a brand, you have to not only get the trademark but the pattern and then there's different levels of trademarks i think he went in at like level nine or something because his fell under spectacles and props and stuff like absolutely, that.
1: absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you have you have to register the class um that's that's as well so uh yeah yeah it's it very yeah. very complicated A real, and yeah. you know that's that's when you yeah, when you register your 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 brand so you have to make sure that you're, you're registered in all the different countries in the classes that you want to be in. And, um, it's, it's a little bit tricky because how do you know what kind of, you know, you might, you might be doing jewelry today and you want to do, let's say shirts, uh, 10 years from now. And unless you register early on somebody else, and that's happened to me in China, somebody else has registered for one of the classes that we are not currently in, um, (laughs) and to get, to get the registration back is very, very expensive. Oh my word.
0: Uh, that <laughs> sounds like a, an endless week of emails back and forth. But yeah, rather you than me on that one. Well, perhaps you can tell me about the uh I know that uh, you do accessories for both men and women. Um, but maybe you could just tell me about how the appetite for men's accessories has changed over the years and and what changes you've seen, you know, if if any permutations over the time you've been in charge.
1: Well, in terms of um the trend for men's jewelry, luckily for us, um, that's something that is that keeps gaining momentum and keeps going from strength to strength. Uh, of course, traditionally, men's jewelry was just your wedding band, your watch, and a pair of cufflinks. Now, that's changed quite a lot over the past 15 years, 20 years, with especially a big trend with men wearing bracelets. Um, that came with the metrosexual man um, and, you know, increasingly with the whole gender fluid kind of trend that is currently in the market where, you know, again, you you could have somebody wearing a strand of pearls um, as well as a, or a pair of cufflinks. So the market has opened up in the sense that, you know, men feel a lot more self-confident in terms of, how they express themselves, how they dress. And of course, with the whole casual lifestyle, you can see men wearing a lot more bracelets, necklaces, uh, rings, uh, even earrings. Uh, I was just looking at someone the other day in the gym and he was wearing like a, you know, a pearl earring that was dangling from his ear and it looked great on him. Uh, hmm. So I think men are not afraid anymore to a, to to wear jewelry and to stack bracelets and that trend is is one that's here to stay uh, and luckily for us uh, and you do see bankers even like for example you, you know you're having you can be having lunch in in milan and you have a banker sitting next to you wearing a suit and he's wearing his cufflinks and you look at his wrist and he's wearing like six bracelets one stacked on top of the other Huh. So the, the, the trend is there and it, it and it continues. We have guys that come into our store. Um, they're like walking into a kid's store because they're like, they show us immediately the wrist and they're like, look, I've got three, three of your bracelets. I want to add another one today. Um, and they come out with wearing the bracelet. They don't even want to have it in the package. They want to wear it straight away.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And when did you first start noticing this, especially um, you touched on like the the different gender and the, you know, that kind of fluidity between the sexes. I mean, if I give you a quick insight, I grew up and I've been in a band most of my life. So I always feel like the creative elements, you know, you'll see people on stage. I was on stage myself for a time. And then, you know, this all stuff like eyeliner, this is all the stuff that the, the artists and the creative people were doing anyway. And I'm just wondering if it, Kind of just takes a while for, say, the business class to kind of lash onto that and express themselves in the in the same way, or is it now we're reaching a point where it doesn't really matter anymore if you come from a creative background because this is like how you'd like to express yourself anyway? Does that does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think in terms, you know, there's no question that um, if you look at jewelry, twenty five years ago, it was only the rock stars and musicians that were wearing these big heavy silver id bracelets you know the rock and roll kind of kind of look and that's you know that before the metrosexual man it was the metrosexual first it was the rock and roll movement and all the musicians and you hit the nail on the head with that and then you've got the metrosexual man but you know and it was used to be like really chunky heavy slightly gothic looking uh sterling silver pieces now that's evolved to, so that today you can have somebody who is a musician, a banker, a painter, uh, you know, any in any type of profession wearing jewelry. So it's no longer um, limited to you know, segments. So the audience is much right. bigger.
0: Right. Interesting. Um, I know it's on, on the website. There's watches as well that people can um, buy some very individual, unique, beautiful watches. So is that quite a scary market to move into as well Uh, how long have you had watches on the site
1: i've had watches for selfish reasons because i wanted to design a watch that i could wear which i say is my my own my own design so watches is a very tricky sector to get into as a jeweler because what tends to happen unless you've got you know millions in terms of budgets to advertise usually people tend to. Like to buy watch brands, so they want to buy a Tag or a Rolex uh, or an Omega. Um, I want. I introduced watches because I wanted to complement the watches to complement the collection. So, for example, you know, I've introduced watches with gears on them that match the gear cufflinks, or watches that have a face that's lapis lazuli to match the lapis lazuli cufflinks, or. A, a face which is a guilloche of mother of pearl to match the guilloche uh cufflinks in mother of pearl and we also frequently offer for for example in the middle east they love offering giving gifts as sets so they love to give a cuffling with a watch and a pen and a big of you know for vip gifts
0: where do you, where do the watches get made
1: um they're they get made in I tend to use Chinese movements and they get assembled, uh, in, um, in China. Interesting. So I use Swiss movements, uh, yeah, Swiss movements and Japanese movements, and they tend to be assembled in China.
0: And would you be tempted to do collaborations or have you, have you also done collaborations with other watch brands to, to kind of link those up?
1: Uh, I've thought about it. I've, you know, that's something that's, uh, that's been on my mind and actually to collaborate with a watch brand with our jewelry in terms mm. of offering them, you know, cufflinks or bracelets that would sit, sit alongside uh, their watches. Um, but that's something that's uh, you know on the, on the, on the back burner for the time. being. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, I noticed on also the website, the, the stones and the various stones that come with some of the rings and um, my girlfriend's into her jewelry. She's into her stones and I wanted to give her a pearl later on as in pearls of information. (laughs) I was hoping you could tell me what what stones are popular right now and, and what is driving that demand as well. If if some are more popular than others.
1: In terms of stones, we tend to use every possible semi-precious stone you can think of. So in terms of lapis tiger eye, or hematite and we also use precious so we use ruby sapphires um emeralds and to be honest there's nothing that really stands out in terms of wow we're selling more ruby brace ruby bracelets than any other stone right but what i can tell you is that we do have increasingly men coming in to buy a ruby bracelet for themselves, or a emerald bracelet for themselves, or a sapphire bracelet for themselves. And we've got a collection called the Nodo collection, and these are like very thin bracelets with a 18 karat gold clasp or a silver clasp, and they're really nice to stack. So you could wear like three or four of them on your wrist, and it, they don't really because they're so thin. They uh, they don't they're not bulky, and uh, they look good on they. they very easily. They look yeah. I'm, I'm um, looking but at, uh, there's, there's not a particular stone that I would tell you, Oh, that's the hot stone of the moment.
0: <laughs> but, but it's interesting that guys are now turning their heads to, to stones that perhaps they wouldn't have done in the past. Absolutely.
1: Because you would normally associate, you know, a Ruby, Ruby, a Ruby bracelet with something that a woman would be, would be after. But, uh, no, the way also the way the stones are cut, they're done in a very masculine, well, not mass, necessarily masculine, but gender fluid way, let's put it that way.
0: I like the Stonehenge bracelet with Snowflake Obsidian. Have we got is why is it called Stonehenge? I'm curious. I'm just having a look here. That looks great. Just
1: just because the because of because you know the 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 Snowflake Obsidian has all these has all these veins in it. So it looks really old. So we thought, you know, Stonehenge because of the stones there. And we always try to come up with something that, that's, that, that relates to the particular design, uh, or the particular stone in this particular case, because the stone looks old. Um, then we called it Stonehenge.
0: Nice. That's a, that's a favorite. I reckon everyone should be checking this out, by the way. We'll leave the links to the, to the website, um, over on the show notes. Uh, Robert, thanks for taking the time out and, and speaking to me today. I was going to just close with a question of uh, how, how are you guys coping amongst the pandemic and, um, and, and how have you had to adapt to it?
1: Well, um, it definitely has not been an easy year and a half. Um, let's say I'm very thankful for all the support that uh, we've received in terms of grants for the shops that were closed And the furlough scheme, which um, has helped me to continue operating with especially the flexi furlough scheme, where um, most of the employees have been on furlough and um, on flexi furlough. So basically gearing up and down, depending on the volume of business and the time of year that I need them to be working. So, So that's been a huge help. Uh, of course, having the retail stores closed uh, for such a long time uh, was was difficult because we have you know to pay rent, so we have to pay service charges, um, so that was a little bit tough. But and then in terms of the wholesale business, um, you know, luckily we were able to continue servicing our accounts around the world just by doing video calls. So that was obviously the the, the video calls were, were a very big help for us to continue working, mm. um, and of course, web is was the area of growth that actually I mean it didn't make up for the drop that we had in retail, but you know our e-commerce website has, is doing very well, and that's you know the main area of growth that we're we're experiencing. So I mean we managed to you know come out and we're healthy and profitable uh, because we looked at our expenses very carefully. You know, we had the government schemes that we kind of, uh, you know, applied for and just focusing on the business a lot more and um, not doing things that were only doing things that were very necessary. So in terms of developing the collections. You know, we developed collections, uh, both seasons. But instead of having hundreds of pieces, there were much tighter, much more thought-out collections.
0: This won't be anyone. It's won't be any use to people listening to the podcast. But I'm wearing one of the, the bracelets. Let me see if I can get that to the webcam. For
1: ah, okay. <laughs> cool. The, uh, you know, I'm a fan. This is. Uh, the Thank initial. you so much, Peter.
0: The initials of uh, it was um, a gift from a girlfriend. So, and you you still do that on the website, I presume, where you can put initials. Yeah, that uh, looks like, like the bespoke pop, elements.
1: Yeah, uh, bespoke. Uh, uh, I, I, is that the pop regatta? It's a silver silver clasp, isn't it? Yes, that's
0: right. Yeah, silver. Clasp. Yeah,
1: that's that's our most uh, classic. Uh, that's our most classic style. Yeah, I mean, we, in terms of bespoke, we do have clients that come in and they, you know, we they want a specific size or a particular color of leather. You know, we we do a little. You know, we always try to accommodate them and you know do the tweaking that makes them happy.
0: It's great, and it's these little touches that just make it so special. In fact, uh, uh, this is um, a banner on my LinkedIn banner because <laughs> it's got my initials, so people can see it. Oh,
1: all really? There. Oh, yeah. That's and- that's the that's the other uh, that's the other thing that. Uh, that we're seeing increasingly, which is you know people love the personalization aspect. So we we do we do offer free engraving uh, for clients. And in fact, we just got a second machine for head office because the girl in retail is so swamped with all the with all the engraving uh, requests. So now we, we have a new machine incredibly expensive um, for for head office uh, so that we can uh, we can cater for the web orders
0: do you know what um, though it's a it's a godsend though to have something like that because it it's uh, what do you buy someone that's got everything not saying i've got everything but just yeah buying something for somebody where you're really stumped knowing that you want to get them something personal and something we have a thought in it having their initials on something that they're going to see, and, it,
1: and, and, that, you, and that you've actually gone the extra mile that it's not like you've just walked into a store and picked something up that you've Actually went to the store. You gave, you know, you you had you had it specifically engraved for your for your partner uh, or for your friend, and uh, you've gone through that effort, and it just shows care. And I think, especially coming out of you know the pandemic, people are very uh, there's there's a lot of raw emotions. People are very susceptible, and I think you know this you know especially when you're gifting someone, giving something so personal is so much more me- meaningful. Uh, yeah. It shows that you care. And people want to be cared for these days.
0: Well, exactly. And I think that's the difference between just being nice and doing the bare minimum and being considerate. Like Being nice is just turning up to a party with a bottle of wine. Being considerate is turning up knowing that they like a specific
1: wine because they've been a particular part of Or cooking a beautiful dish at home kind of thing.
0: Yeah, or getting your girlfriend to cook a dish to take. Care of. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. <laughs> um, Robert, thanks again for taking your time. Enjoy, uh, enjoy what you're doing in Austria. There's a there's a great museum over there. I think it's the Belvedere. Babe, it's uh, that that Klimt in the Belvedere. What in 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 Lech? Is it in Lech? Uh, the um, the kiss, the famous kiss painting by Klimt. That's in Australia, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, we're Definitely planning, worth I'm out. planning to go for a nice little hike. That's what I'm planning to do
0: tomorrow. Okay. Well, I uh, hope you enjoy as much sun as we're having here. Great talking to you, Robert.
1: And um, great, Peter. Have a great evening. Thank you. You too, mate. Take care of Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you, Robert. How about that? amazing story and some amazing jewelry that you can find over at tatiosian.com we'll put all the links to the show over at menswearstyle.co.uk make sure you're following us on the social at menswearstyle that way you can stay updated to when we do new articles new podcasts etc and if you want to come on the show maybe tell us about your journey tell us how you started your brand you can email us here at info at thanks for listening until next time